Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. And uh, man, if you haven't been seated, you're you're more than welcome to, to be seated or you can stay standing, that's okay. We embrace the awkward around here. Um, it's all good. Um, man, praise the Lord. We, uh, we do battle in a different way around here, don't we? Um, and we encourage you to do so. Um, there's something about coming before the the throne of grace and at the Lord's feet, um, especially when we come together. Because I don't know about you, but through the week, it feels like you battle by yourself a lot. When we come together as the body of Christ, we battle together, and we know that when we are going through the week and we feel like we're alone, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ that are praying for you and that the Lord is prompting that's the importance of being a part of the body of Christ. And I know many of you have touched base with others through the week. It's not just the pastoral staff. It's all of you. We're all members of this body. And we serve the Lord, but we also love one another that way. And so I want to say thank you um, on behalf of, of myself and Matthew and Paul and my wife. Um, thank you for encouraging one another and being with one another and praying for each other and reaching out that's what we do that's who we are here in this place um, whether we're in this place or out of this place right so um, I'm uh, going to bypass that um, you know what we were about to say there uh, next week uh, I, I, we're kind of excited about next week I, I don't know about you, but when uh, I see this up on the, on the screen, this is exciting. Uh, Jesus Never Said That is a series that we're going to begin next week because there are things that Jesus never said that seem to filter in to the body of Christ, that seem to filter into our theology and our mindsets. And one of those, which is, is next week, is um, you do you. You do you. Do what makes you happy. And so uh, if, if you want to be convicted, come on back. Um, or if you want your friend or family to be convicted, invite them in. Uh, this is going to be a series that's split between myself and Matthew and, and Noah. Um, they're all going to be bringing some, some really interesting uh, topics and discussions and we're going to write we're going to write the language you know Jesus didn't say you do you and we're going to write that language in our life uh, but in the meantime before we get there 
we're going to wrap up uh, our, our series, Answered Prayers. Excuse me while I take a drink here. I feel like we've been on this journey for uh, a decade and a half, um, but it's been a good journey because it's been a lot of hard question, or ho- a lot of hard discussions and conversations that we've had here uh, in Wapaknaz. And all of those conversations, all of them are on Spotify or, or at wapaknaz.org or iTunes. And I would highly encourage you um, to start at the front end because we build on all of those conversations. Uh, the, our first conversation last month was dealing with those unanswered prayers, right? And following that, the next hard conversation is dealing with when God seems silent in your life, when he seems seemingly absent or we feel like all but abandoned. And we came to some conclusions about prayer from those two conversations. And hopefully you came to those conclusions and you started to wrestle with those conclusions because one, ultimately prayer isn't so that we can go to a cosmic genie and get what we want, but we go to God to relationally know the Lord that we Jesus Christ died on the cross that we may connect with God Almighty and have a relationship Christianity isn't religion it's relationship it truly is and God truly wants to nurture that and he wants us to nurture that but other than just relationally knowing the Lord God has a mission in mind Ever since the fall, Genesis 2, or Genesis 3, ever since the fall, his mission has been to go out and rightfully get back what is rightfully his. You and me, humanity. He has a mission in mind that the gospel may go forward, that all may receive eternal life and have that choice. So prayer is to relationally know our Lord, our God our creator, through Jesus Christ by his spirit, that he has his mission in mind. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers because the mission is in mind. And ultimately that God may be glorified, glorified through you and me and his church. And we started, as a result of those conversations, we started to look at our desires in our own heart. And sometimes our desires need to be reshaped into the desires of the Lord. And so finally we come to this conversation. We're going to put a bow on it, but it doesn't end the conversation. I cannot and we cannot have all of these conversations in 30-minute snippets. Well, 40 minutes. All right, I'll be honest, about 50-minute snippets, right? We cannot cover it all in 30 to 40 to 50 minutes on a Sunday. It just isn't going to happen. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But we're going to step into the rest of this conversation and put that bow on it. And we're actually going to start where Jesus was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the night where Jesus was about to be arrested by the chief priests, the religious elite, and he knew what was ahead of him He knew the suffering that he would physically endure on the cross. Not only on the cross, but the beating, the mocking, the scoffing, the ridiculing. And he understood the mission that was in mind. Remember, God has a mission in mind. It's to redeem all humanity. 
to offer that opportunity to you and me and our neighbor. But Jesus had to wrestle with something. He had to wrestle with his own will, the will of his flesh. Because even the Son of God understood what he was about to endure. And it was not pleasant. It was painful. Excruciating. And so, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with the rest of the disciples, the 11 that were still with him. And he said to eight, pray. And he took three further. And he opened his chest cavity. And he said, I'm overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. Stay and watch. And he goes a little bit further and on his own, he crashes to his knees and he wrestles. He wrestles with the Father's will and with his own will, the will of the flesh. And we have in Matthew 26, verse 39, he says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. The cup referring to the wrath that was about to be poured out onto him. And notice what he says. Yet not as I will, not as I want, but as you will, as you want. Remember this series, Answer Prayers, is asking God for what God wants for you. And here we have Jesus wrestling with what he desires. Is there another way? And what he wants is wrestling with what God really wants. Because this is the only way. Jesus made the way because of choosing the Father's will. He didn't come to what I've seen in the past, not here, but I've seen in the past, pray God's will. Yes, Lord, your will, your will be done. He didn't come to that prayer flippantly. And he didn't pray it flippantly either. He came to that because he wrestled with it. He allowed what he wanted in his life to wrestle with what God wanted for his life and for all of humanity. By this, humanity will be able to relationally know the Lord God Almighty. By this, my mission will continue. And by this, I will be glorified. And Jesus concluded, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So today, today, we come to the conclusion of answer prayers. And quite frankly, it can be summed up into God's will for us. I had a conversation with a former pastor, um, retired pastor actually, and we were having this conversation about God's will. And he said that he does not and will not tell people what God's will is for their life because it's really difficult to decipher. And I rebuttaled very quickly. And I said, I understand where you're coming from. However, scripture is very clear in a lot of places about God's will for us. God has a will for all of us. His will for we 
and he also has his will for you, his will for me. And they both point to us, right? His universal will and his personal will, they come together and they all directly point to us. God has something in mind for you that you would fulfill the purpose for which you were designed to. That's holiness, sanctification. But he also has a universal will for all of us. And so today, we're going to look at God's will for us. What God wants for you that he's willing to give you. He's already set the gift and the bow is tightened and it's in his hands and he's willing to give it to us. All we need to do is ask. Asking God for what God wants for us. And we're going to keep it simple today. We're going to keep it very simple. So, where do we begin? Well, first... God wants eternal life for you. That is one of the major purposes. The main purpose is that Jesus Christ died on the cross. That eternal life might be offered to you and all of humanity. Yes, even the people that get under our skin. Right? See, John chapter 6 verse 40 says, My Father's will. Very clear, right? There's no argument here what God's will is. This is my Father's will. Is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. I actually saw a sporting event just recently. I I can't remember if it was a hockey event or or it was baseball. But it said, John 3.16. Google it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, you are a whoever, and so is your neighbor, and so is your co-worker, that whoever believes in him, who looks on him, John is just restating John 3.16 right here, who believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Folks, God wants eternal life for you. And if you've come into this place and you're listening and you're not thinking it's for me, I want to tell you very clearly, eternal life is for you. He personally died for you. That you have a way to him. It's not just for the church, folks. Jesus did not come to seek and save the righteous No. He said, the righteous, those that are healed don't need a doctor. It's the sick that need the doctor. We've come to seek and save the lost. Folks, eternal life, if you have not had it, if you do not have it in your life right now, God wants it for you. It is there for the receiving. You just need to ask him for it and he will grant it to you. Look upon the Son and receive it. Now, that's the major reason. That's the main message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and that he rose from the dead on the third day. The gospel and succinctly. Very clearly. 
And in that, rooted in that gospel, is the love of God expressed there. But out of that, we should conclude one thing. That he wants all to come to repentance. Peter says this in 2 Peter 3.9, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. In, in fact, he wants you to have the forgiveness of sin. Sin is what separates. Sin is what conceives death. And so God wants, not only does he want eternal life for you and for your family members and for your friends and your coworkers, but he wants the forgiveness of sins in your life. In fact, we see this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Folks, it's in fact the sins of us. That's why Jesus Christ died. But we also need to understand that we have also sins that others have committed against us and those sins that we've committed against other people. From the very beginning of this conversation, we, we talked about how our relationships, your relationships with other people, impact our heavenly relationship with our Father. In fact, Jesus sums up the Lord's Prayer with, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. There's an issue here. There's a tightrope that we, as humans, like to walk. We like to walk that rope that, well, they did this to me. Whatever that this may be. Many of you walked into this room carrying the sins of those that have been committed against you that have harmed you. It was unfair. It was not godly. And you still bury the damage of whatever those sins may be against you. At some point, what Jesus is really saying here, one of the things that Jesus is saying is that we have to take ownership of that. We have to take responsibility of that. Whether it's fair or not. Because that's unfair. That's not just. But only you, only you have the power to move past that in tandem with the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know what it may have been, what somebody may have done to you, said to you, but at some point in your life, you've carried it long enough. You've bared that burden way too long. And you still bear the, bear the damage of that. But when Jesus says, for if you forgive, he will forgive. If you do not forgive, he will not forgive. 
we want to receive that freely. That might be an obstacle in your life. I don't know. I don't claim to know. But you may have walked into this building today bearing the damage of something that somebody did to you. And you've bared it long enough. Take ownership and begin the process of forgiveness. On the other hand, you may have walked into this room, into this building today, holding unforgiveness and bitterness towards somebody else. Or that they may have done something to you, or they, pardon me, that they may have unforgiveness for you. What unforgiveness does, what it, at the root of it is, we're taking the place of God. And we are saying, who is worthy of forgiveness and who isn't? And I don't know about you, the last time I checked my driver's license, it doesn't say God on it. I mean, it would be helpful if I got stopped by the police department or the OSP, but it doesn't say that. It still says Stephen Ambrose. It is not the title Yahweh. We are not the ones that determine who is worthy of forgiveness and who isn't. God wants you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So if you've not started to, un, to wrestle with that, I encourage you today to start wrestling with it because God wants you to be free of whatever they have done to you or whatever bitterness you harbor to them. So, you might ask the question, if God wants forgiveness in our life, forgiveness of sins, well, shouldn't he provide a way that we kind of are empowered away from sin? He does. In fact, he provides us a way to be empowered to choose differently than sin. And that is, and I could not come up with a great phrase here. I'm not that smart. But God wants you to ask him for empowerment to help you to forgive others for their sins against you. And that empowerment happens in the Holy Spirit. It says, and God is faithful. Well, pardon me. He, he has that empowerment by the Spirit. Pentecost is the moment in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in mankind. And in fact, Paul mentions to the church of Thessalonica that it is him who sanctifies us. God who wants to sanctify us through and through. Purity, holiness, fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. And it is in Galatians 5 where he talks about the sinful nature versus the power of the Spirit, choosing the things of the Spirit. You, if you've received Christ and have eternal life and Christ is living within you, you now have the ability and the empowerment to choose differently than what you chose before. Constantly, Paul has these conversations, whether it's with the Corinthian church or the Roman church, over and over. You were once this and you no longer are. 
and now you are this. So choose this, not what you were once before. Folks, the power of the Holy Spirit empowers you and enables you to choose differently in your life. We drift away from holiness. We drift away from God naturally because that is us as humanity. However, with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can choose to stand firm where you are and move upstream and begin living upstream in your character and in your integrity and in your responsibility and in your choices. You can be empowered to choose differently in your life. God talked to Cain and he said, sin is crouching outside your door. You must master it. The only way we can master sin is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So, God wants eternal life for you. And by default, he wants forgiveness of sins in your life. And with that, he provides you a way, a way to choose differently. Which leads us into this next conversation, which is just a sneak peek to what Noah will be talking about in the near future. Often, in the church, something is filtered in that God will not give you more than you can bear, right? You've probably have said that. You've probably have quoted that. You've probably shaken your head and said, yes, I agree. God does not give us more than we can bear. You were probably quoting this. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can stand under it. This is a conversation in reference to sin and temptation particularly. This is not a conversation about circumstances. If you were to poll the people sitting in this room you will hear that many of these people in this room have dealt with circumstances well beyond what they compare, can, can bear. Loss and grief, cancer, loss of jobs, you name it. Miscarriages, pain, severing of relationships, divorce, you name it. We have experienced it. Go talk to Jonah sitting in the belly of a whale. Go talk to Zechariah and Elizabeth who were barren into their old age. Go talk to Jesus while he's hanging on the cross for all of humanity. These are situations, these are moments that are well beyond what we can bear. I talk to my sister weekly about the situation that is more than she can bear. My mom that's a situation more that she can bear. But folks, we need to correct the language. We need to correct the theology. We need to look at the text and look at the context because Paul is talking to people in the Corinthian church who have been living more like the devil day in and day out. And he wanted to clarify to them that it's not the circumstances 
but it's the temptation that you will not be tempted more than you can bear. There's always a way out in temptation. Always. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. James says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Folks, God provides us a way out of any temptation. It's a wonderful thing called choice and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They work together. But I hate to be bearer of bad news that there will be situations in your life that are more than you can bear outside of temptation. Should you have the ability, the strength, and the wisdom to bear those things on your own, then we must ask, What's the need for God in our life? Those are opportunities and moments where we lean in. Trust the Lord with all your mind, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Which moves us into, we've already addressed those things. Leads us into wisdom you and I have circumstances in our life that are well beyond what we can bear. However, however, the Holy Spirit and choice and wisdom, whether you have diplomas, degrees, or PhDs, those only lead to intelligence. And I'm only 44. I've seen a whole lot of intelligently stupid people out there. Some may consider me being one of them. I'll take it. I'll own it. Wisdom is way different than knowledge. Godly wisdom is way different than knowledge. Those situations that are well beyond what we can bear, you and I need wisdom to navigate those things. See, God himself is inside and outside of time, both at the same time, and he sees the end from the beginning And he also sees the middle, right? He has a perspective on things that you and I do not have. And one of those things, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, right here, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask, she should ask. Because God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it, wisdom, will be given to you. Folks, this is something God is willing to give you to help you walk through those circumstances that you feel like you cannot bear in just general, everyday circumstances. This is a prayer that I began to pray very early in my life. Lord, grant me wisdom. Because when God grants us wisdom... That's leaning in on his understanding and not our own. 
because that's a wrestling match in my own mind. The space between my ears, it's always a wrestling match. Lord, I understand that this is what the situation is and this is what I would naturally move to. This is naturally the decision I would make. That's who I am. That's my makeup. God, will you grant me wisdom here because I don't want to make this decision the way I'm supposed to make this decision. I want to make this decision based on your perspective, based on what you see. That allows us who are on earth to have a heavenly perspective. You cannot have a heavenly perspective just because you're human. It just doesn't happen. It's not natural to us. We often have an earthly perspective. That's what comes natural to us. What we see, taste, touch, hear, feel, all the senses. But godly wisdom is unnatural to us. Therefore, it is supernatural for us. And so... He says, hey, this is something God wants to freely give you to anyone who asks. He makes the meek strong. He saves cities with the wise as it's laid out by Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Folks, come to him. Ask for wisdom. And so, last but not least, Paul says this to the Thessalonica church. Be joyful. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. Another place where it's clearly laid out. Clearly laid out for you. This is God's will for you. Be joyful. Pray continually. We've been talking about praying continually all month and last month. But I want to hone in here in this last moments before we get dismissed he says be joyful this is God's will for you see Jesus himself he said to his disciples until now you have not asked for anything in my name ask and you will receive and your joy may complete be complete this is the last moments before they get up from the the table And they go to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus wrestles with the will of the Father. And he looks at his disciples and he says these words, knowing full well the grief that's about to hit them in the next couple days. He said, ask me anything and your joy may be complete. In fact, he says, I, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love, John 15. If you obey my commands and remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You and I have a problem when it comes to joy. It won't ever be complete from anything on earth. Whether you find the right spouse, whether you have the right amount of kids, which according to my wife and I, it's zero. I don't know. I'm kidding. We have a cat. It's having a cat. No. Jobs won't cut it. Jobs won't fill it. Addictions won't fill it. People won't fill it. Money won't fill it. Jesus said, he is the one that completes your joy. He is. No one else in our life 
we'll complete it. We put way too much stock in what the earth provides. Way too much stock. Because when the earth comes crashing down, we think it's all lost. It's all lost. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I make your joy complete. I had mentioned my sister and the conversations that we have almost weekly and we send pictures and memes to each other just to encourage each other through the week. If you don't know, she's been going through cancer for the last year and almost six months now. Um, triple negative, uh, breast cancer, metastatic. She's hopefully on the back end of everything, but through this entire journey, through the entire journey, even at the diagnosis, my sister continued to say a, a statement that if you didn't listen for it, you would think it was flippant and it was lackadaisical and it was hollow. But she said, regardless of the circumstances that she's faced, and she's broken down more times than I know, she said, I'm going to choose joy. I will choose joy. Not happiness. Joy. I choose joy. And she's getting that joy from the Lord. I've seen her in their darkest moments flourish spiritually over the course of the last year and a half because she's choosing Christ to be her center of her life. Not family, not friends, not the job. Christ. He's the one that makes her joy complete. And I urge you today, it is the Father's will. Be joyful. And when it's difficult to be joyful, choose joy. Choose it. Choose joy. God wants eternal life. Forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit in your life. He wants you empowered. He wants you to choose joy. He wants to grant you wisdom. And so, don't worry. Keep it simple. Keep your prayers simple. He knows what you need before you ask him. It's this wonderful thing in Matthew 6, 8. He already knows what you need. I just had this conversation this week. He knows what you need. Don't keep pabbling like the pagans or like your pastor is up, up, up on the platform. He already knows what you need before you ask him. So just get to know him, right? So I leave you with this. There was a second baseman from the New York Yankees. Bobby Richardson went to an FCA event. And he was asked to pray. And with pure, sincere intention, he prayed a very simple but profound prayer. Dear God, your will, nothing more, 
nothing less. Amen. I encourage you. I encourage you to ask God for what God wants for your life. If you haven't started praying, now's the time to do it. Keep it simple. Don't worry. He already knows what you need before you ask him. Sit in his lap and come to the conclusion, God, your will, not mine, yours, nothing more, nothing less. God, you know better than I. Would you just remain seated right now and just bow your heads? Heavenly Father, even through the bumbling and the fumbling of the sermon, I know your spirit spoke. And I know you're doing a work, a mighty work in the lives of these people. Because they're praying the prayer, yes, Lord. They're saying, I'm available. I'm here. Use me. Do whatever it takes. They're praying, mold me and melt me. Shape me and make me. God, we are clay in your hands. So I ask in your name that you grant us wisdom in our life to help us navigate those situations that are overwhelming. To not look at them emotionally or even rationally sometimes, but look at them from a heavenly perspective, from your perspective. God, will you grant us wisdom and empower us in those moments that we are tempted with whatever it may be, the sin that so easily entangles the one we continue to run back to. May we choose the Spirit. Father, in those moments that were just overwhelmed, may we choose joy. May we ask for it. And Father, if we're wrestling with unforgiveness, whether we are entrenched in unforgiveness or somebody else, has not forgiven us. Lord, will you do the work in our life? If we need to take responsibility for damage done in the past, whether we inflicted it or it was inflicted upon us, Lord Father, grow us and move us. And Father, if there is anyone in this room or listening, who is yet to receive you and receive eternal life. Lord, will you tender their heart to you? I know many in this room are praying for family members and friends and they're actively engaging and inviting and sharing gospel. Lord, will you open doors for us to share the hope and the reason that we have the hope share the true gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But if anyone in here, if you're listening to my voice and if there's anybody in here has yet to receive eternal life from the Lord Jesus Christ, it is that free gift that you do not do anything for. You just choose. It's all been done on your behalf by Jesus Christ on the cross, laying his life down, surrendering his will that you may have eternal life. If that's you, I just want to give you that opportunity before we leave this room to receive it. Just ask that you pray sincerely in your heart a simple prayer. It's not it's not everything, it's not the whole conversation. But it's a starting point with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I give you my life. Just repeat it. Say it sincerely in your heart to him. God, I give you my life. You gave it for me for the forgiveness of sins, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I give it to you. You can do better with it than I alone. I give you my life. Lord, come into mine. If you prayed that simple prayer, I just ask that you be bold and courageous. Make your first step and put your hand up where you are. Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you, and it's in your name that we ask these things this morning. Amen. Would you please stand? We love you, folks. Thank you. Thank you for stepping in and out to obedience. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? You have a wonderful day. We'll see you tonight at 5. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.